Psalms 150. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. If you've got breath in your lungs, you made it to church today. That means the enemy that's trying to stop you from your conception did not work. His plans have failed. If you got breath in your lungs, you got some, doesn't matter what you're facing, what you're going up against, what your past history looks like, you've got something to praise God about. Come on, let's praise Him. Even if you don't feel like it, Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. I'm going to bless His holy name, not based upon how I feel, but based upon how good my Father is. Amen. Amen. Good to have you here today. If you don't know, I go back and forth from the plaza, and the devil done tried to send some traffic my way today. We were hustling, and uh, we may or may not not here, I can either confirm or deny, broke a few rules of the road today, but uh, we had a divine assignment to preach the word, and I think God just covered it, amen? You cannot use that, and the officer gets you on the way out. You treat him with respect, okay? I'm not paying for your ticket, and uh, wow, it's good to see you today, amen. Hey, I was unaware of the tragedy of the situation last week when I was in the pulpit, uh, but I want to take a moment, uh, even a week later, it's never behind on God's timing to pray uh, for Ralph Yar, to pray for our city, to pray for his loved ones and his family. Um, this is not a, another city's problem. This is our backyard. This is our community. This is one of our kids. We've got several students in our youth group that go to school with Ralph. We know people, even on our staff, that have relationship with the family. And so... Um, it's a broken world with fear, with hate, with bias. These are weapons that the enemy has used from the beginning, has used in our nation, has used in maybe some of our lives to divide and fracture us. What do we do? There's lots of things we can do, but what do we do first? We pray that the God who is above it all is not distant from the heartache of humanity, that he's with us and he wants to help us. We pray and then we love. We love each other. We show the world that there is a different and better way. Before we call out all the changes that need and should happen, and we can call them out, we call upon the one who can heal broken hearts, the one who can change minds, the one who can eradicate hate with his incredible love. And then we invite that same Holy Spirit to investigate us. Where can we change? God, what are you asking of me? How can I better demonstrate a loving, caring, unbiased God to the world around me? So can we pray? Will you join me? We welcome you online, the men of Lansing. We love everybody in the room, Lord, and we thank you. You're going to do a work in us. Father, we come to you today. Hearts are heavy from the attack that nearly took the life of a young man. We pray for Ralph and his family. Help us not to just move on to the next news cycle story, but lean in. Lean into your story. The story of a God that loved us so much that changes us, that changes our city. And as we are changed, it helps us to change the world around us, to change history. God changed the city, the story of our city and of our nation. We ask that you are with his family, his loved ones, his fellow classmates, that you give comfort and peace that only you can provide. And ultimately, Jesus, we pray you're a healer. You can heal body, mind, spirit, and soul heal in Jesus name we pray for Kansas City that it would be different here because there are people united for the purpose of Jesus people filled with the love of Jesus may your grace and your mercy prevail may your spirit bring healing to all wounds young and old new wounds that have been agitated by this tragedy old fractures that have been historically in our lives are in this world are in our own city we pray protection over a generation healing over a generation that the you would guard them from the forces of darkness in its many forms we remember our strength and our hope comes from you alone and you are the god that is always for us always with us even in the midst of difficult times then help us, God, as your church. Help us represent heaven, a mixture of all different types of people united in one spirit. Let Kingdom City show our city the power of unity and diversity. We pray for justice. We pray for peace. We pray for change. Let it start in us and let it start now. 
So as we open the word and we invite this 2,000 year old book to speak to our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit to make us look more like Jesus. Holy Spirit, we just say right now, you're welcome here. We have open hearts, open minds. We don't check our mind at the door. We open it to your voice, to your leading, to your prompting, to your grace and to growth. We're here to grow closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love you, church. You're awesome. Can we thank the worship team and production and kids and everybody? You guys can grab a seat. In the first service, I forgot to sit everyone down. They were just standing the whole time. I was like, y'all real obedient and really annoyed at me. Um, we say here at Kingdom City that we're building people that bring heaven to earth. Uh, how do we build? We build with the word of God. It is the foundation. We build as Jesus as the cornerstone. And we know the stories of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, and the lifestyle of Jesus. And we say, how can we become more like that? But with the word of God, we also say that the spirit is our guide. That it shows us not just that these are just, these aren't rules and regulations. This is a life that draws close to God and it can experience God's best. And the Holy Spirit, to me, the most heaven to earth thing on, on the earth is the presence of the living God, the Holy Spirit. So if we're going to be built as people that bring heaven to earth, we need that divine presence in our life. So last week we kicked off a new series. We call it Upper Room. We're just having conversations and investigation about what does it look like to walk with, to know, to be filled by, to be empowered with the Holy Spirit got real quiet in here, all the guests. I'll talk to the faithful church family. We love the Holy Spirit. We want more of the Holy Spirit. We desire the Holy Spirit. And just because someone else is wacky doesn't mean we have to be. We want Holy Spirit in our life. And last week, this is what I asked. If you weren't uh, here, you need to watch it uh, because it sets the table for today's discussion. Um, we want a, a spirit restart. That, hey, just for a moment, maybe take everything you've heard or everything you've thought whether it's a, a limited understanding or a depth of knowledge, and we're just gonna wipe the slate clean for a moment and just let the word of God speak, particularly the, the life and messaging of Jesus. Because honestly, if we can't really listen to Jesus, we can't really go very far. What does Jesus say about the Holy Spirit? And today, um, and this is just the rule I wanna live by, I would love for you to live by as well. If it's in God's word, it's for me. Can we just say that's cool? Okay. I believe in a strong and capable and prevailing church that can do two things at the same time. That we can dig deep roots in God's word as the way to live. In other words, we're theologically grounded. We can dig deep and eat from the scripture. And at the same time, cast a broad net of salvation to the lost and the seeking in our world. Those don't have to be exclusive. I think in Christ we see the wisdom of God and we see the heart of God for humanity. We can do both. Now today, uh, we're gonna dig deep into theology. Is that cool? And I'm not promising that I won't shout and scream a little bit. That could still happen. This tiger ain't changing his stripes in one Sunday. But you're gonna need to take notes. You're gonna need to take notes. A lot of things I'm gonna say are not gonna be up on the screen. And so you're gonna to need to take notes or at least pretend that you're taking notes. And I'm gonna call you out. And today, above all days, I think there's gonna be more questions that arise about the Holy Spirit. That's why we gave you these little cards to communicate what do you still have questions about? Where has there been misunderstanding? What would you like me to touch on? What would you like to hear uh, from, from, from the platform, from your pastor, from myself, from, from Liz, about the Holy Spirit? You fill that out and you can drop it off in the back because I want you to have God confidence in who the Holy Spirit is in your life. So can we dig deep today? Okay, in the spirit of digging deep, can someone please bring me my balloon? That's supposed to be funny, by the way. In the spirit of digging deep, can someone bring me this giant balloon? I told them, I don't care what color the balloon is, it just can't be red. Because with my red hair and a red balloon, y'all be thinking I look like the clown from it. <laughs> and by the way, why do you watch those movies? I will never understand. My life is scary enough. If you need more horror in your life, be a pastor. Anyways, just kidding. <laughs> I want to say that this balloon today represents a spirit that's full. Now, I don't think balloons have all that much purpose. They're ornamental. Your spirit has a divine purpose. It's huge. 
but it's actually filled up to its potential. It's doing what it was designed to do. It's, it's, it's fullness. The Greek word for the Holy Spirit is the word pneuma. It literally means the breath of God. This has received the breath. It's light. It's expansive. It's doing what it was supposed to do. Now, over time, that balloon, because the atmospheric pressure is going to get a little bit less and a little bit less, and it's going to sink down, and eventually it's going to shrivel, and it's going to look like this. Some of you have had a full encounter with the Holy Spirit, and yet the atmospheric pressures or your experiences have caused you to maybe lose a little bit of that filling. And some of you, you have never had a divine encounter with the presence of God apart from salvation, and you've always been like this. My heart is that if you're a little deflated, that today you get filled up. My heart is that if you've never had a Holy Spirit filling, that today would start a journey in your life that you would not be satisfied with deflated. To me, deflated, deflated in your spirit means defeated in your life. But what do you do with this balloon before you would breathe in it? Well, I got one person who talks back. You would stretch it out. Can we thank God for a theologian that understands the science of balloons? You would stretch this thing to make it pliable, to make it ready to receive breath, to make it open to what it was supposed to do. You have to stretch it out. Today, as we go to the upper room, I'm asking you, we've had a spirit restart. Now I'm asking you for a spirit stretch. Can we put on our mind to understand what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And if we've been closed off, would we just be open to the stretch? If we've allowed past experiences, maybe encounters with some wacky people that cause us to be deflated or defeated in the atmosphere around us, can we be open for fresh breath again? Can we get a, a spirit stretch so we can have life in its, life in its fullest? Acts chapter one. This is Jesus, resurrected Jesus, speaking to his disciples. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. In other words, this isn't the first time I've told you, but now I'm giving you the strategy in order for you to receive. For John, Jesus' cousin, baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So, when they got together, they asked him something totally not connected to the Holy Spirit. Lord, at what time are you going to restore your kingdom in Israel? In other words, when are you going to be back in charge? He said, don't worry about the times and dates. The Father has set them in his own authority. He said, let me get you back to what's most important here. Uh, in other words, hey, don't worry about all the end time stuff right now. That's a word to some of you in the church. Don't be worried about how all this thing is going to be played out. Right now, the most important thing, let me get you back to the most important subject, you need the Holy Spirit. I know you want to figure all out the mystery. Some of those things are just for God to know. But let me tell you, you can know the presence of God and you can have the mind of Christ when you have the Holy Spirit. Just come back to the Holy Spirit. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Power to do what? To be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. Friends, we're going global with this thing. We're going to go to the ends of the earth. What Jesus is essentially saying in this passage and in others is that, hey, when I go, something greater is going to come. How could it be greater than Jesus? It doesn't mean that, like, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, where Jesus walked on water, you're going to run. Not at all. That means you're going to have the Spirit, not just one man with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit will be pulled out, poured out, like the prophet Joel declared, over all flesh, over all people. Young, old, men, and women. Everybody can get the presence of the living God on the inside of them. Jesus is saying, hey, disciples, these last three and a half years when you've been rocking with me, ministering with me, hasn't it been amazing when we prayed for the sick and they've recovered and blind eyes at sea, that we broke bread and you multiplied it to feed the hungry? Hasn't this been amazing when there's been a demonic oppression over someone and the authority of heaven, we drove that out? Hasn't that been incredible? Like, yeah, that's been incredible. Guess what? Now you're going to get to do that 
by the power of the Holy Spirit. In other words, that same spirit that empowers me, Jesus said, is going to be in you, with you, on the inside of you. It's going to fill you up. Ordinary people with extraordinary power of God to live a life that they could not accomplish in their own ability. Jesus makes three very important points in this passage. First, it's a gift. In other words, you do not earn it. You don't really deserve it. God wants to give it to you. The very best of heaven has to be received. You don't earn it. You just got to receive the gift. Second, that the Holy Spirit will baptize you. This isn't a fleeting moment. This isn't a feeling. This is a filling. This is something more than just the, the, what you feel in a moment or an atmosphere of worship or, or when you're praying, you just feel the presence. That is the Holy Spirit. It's powerful. But it's not just for those moments. It's a, it's a filling of your life for every moment. Thirdly, that the Holy Spirit will show up in your life and you're going to notice a difference. You'll notice a difference and the people around you will notice a difference. The primary difference that we'll talk about later in this series is fruit. That you have fruit of the Spirit in your life. Not just spiritual gifting, but you'll also have spiritual gifting. It's not either or, it's both and. That once you are filled with the Holy Spirit, there will be evidence, experiences, signs, manifestations, along with fruit in your life. Why? Because to be a witness that touches the world, you're not going to just have willpower. You're going to need divine power. Now, the promise of this outpouring led the disciples and about 110 others into an upper room for that day of Pentecost. In other words, they actually did what Jesus said. Now, Jesus, we believe, through the passages of the New Testament, ministered about 500 or more people. And yet there were the disciples and about 100 others that actually obeyed. They went into the upper room. In about 10 days, they stretched. They prayed. They worshiped. They sought God. I think they probably told stories about what they saw Jesus did. They were recounting the things that he told them. And as they prayed and as they worshiped, all of a sudden, the day comes where Jesus or God poured out his presence. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, Pentecost just means 50. It's 50 days after the, the, the celebration of Passover. It's coming up for us as a church in a few weeks. It's going to be a great time. It says they were all together in one place and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed like tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This topic that we're going to scratch the surface of, I do not have the time to give you everything, but I'll give you a start to stay in the stretch. It's one of the most provocative issues in the modern church. In fact, it has been for about 2,000 years, especially among evangelicals. They have debated, theologians, church historians, over the years, what does it look like to have the Holy Spirit in your life? What are the works of the Holy Spirit? What are the signs of the Holy Spirit? Things like prophecy, Things like healing, things like uh, discernment, wisdom, something you could not know unless God spoke it to your heart. Things like speaking in tongues. Uh-oh, we're not all ready to hear this yet. Are these a continuing expression of the Holy Spirit? Is this uh, what we would call charis, Greek word for gift, that is still being given, or has this stopped? The real question I want you to ask is, is this for today? And then if we can ask that question, then maybe there's a second question. If it's for today, then is it for moi? For all my French friends out there. Is it for me? Now, our church has been consistently built over the last 12 years, primarily, and this has changed in the last year and a half or two years, by people that didn't go to church. Uh, in fact, in the early days, the first seven, eight years of our church, Nobody had any church background. And part of me loved that. I loved that because it was a clean slate. Part of me didn't love that because they had no discipleship in their life. That's for another horror story. But I will say that they didn't have any baggage. Some of you, that represents where you're at. New to church, or new to faith, maybe new to our kind of church, our kind of expression. 
So when it comes to the Holy Spirit, you're really limited in understanding. Others, you, you've, you've been around a bit. You've got some understanding. You've got some knowledge. And yet, when we start to dig into things like the supernatural, you like the worship, and you like the word, and you like to connect groups, and you like what goes on in Kingdom Kids for your family. But when we start talking about the supernatural, you get a little cut off. For both of you, can I just ask, stay in the stretch today? Can we just stay in seeing what the scripture says? And then, what does God speak personally to you? Because when it comes to things like healing the sick, Casting out demons? This is, some, this is some stranger things kind of stuff. But let me just say this. If you believe the Bible to be true, which I do, and as a church, we do, you do not get to pick and choose what you want to believe. Friend, you cannot eat the donut without the calories. It's a packaged, it's a packaged deal. Because the same Bible that gives you the promise of eternal life by believing in Jesus, not by your works, but by faith and grace, is also the same Bible that gives you the promise of the Holy Spirit and supernatural power for daily living. It's not one or the other, it's both. Now, people uh, have been around a lot longer than I, and generationally much, much smarter than I, have been debating this very thing for generations. And you can kind of sum them up into two categories that theologians would call a continuationist and a cessationist. A continuationist, in other words, one where it continues. Cessationist, one where it ceases. And I do not want to bore you, but I think it's good to speak about why we believe what we believe and what both sides begin to say. For continuationists, they believe there's an ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. Now let me pause there and let me tell you the most powerful act of the Holy Spirit is one that all of us here who are Christians have experienced. That's the salvation of your soul. That's the greatest work of the Holy Spirit and yet he does more. He does more. So for us, for myself as a continuationist, this isn't a theory. This isn't just theology. It's not even a possibility. It's something I believe God is actively and supernaturally working in the lives of believers for 2,000 years until Jesus' return to accomplish things, listen, that by your own willpower and education are impossible, that the Holy Spirit continues to this day. And on the other hand, I have friends, deep friends that I love dearly. In fact, I was with some pastors this week, and some of them would be in this camp. Uh, evangelical friends who do not believe that the supernatural ways of the Holy Spirit are still at work today. That would be the cessationist. And I'm not here to demonize that, although it sounds a whole like sensationism, but I'm just kidding. Horrible joke, Kyle. You just said you went deep on hypocrite. Anyways. They would say that the gifts of the Spirit have ceased. The Holy Spirit is still actively saving people, but not necessarily empowering people for special works of the Holy Spirit. Now, they do believe, cessationists do believe, that, that the Bible miracles are true. They believe that God made the heavens and the earth with a word. They believe that God parted the Red Sea, that God fed his people daily with manna that showed up from heaven. They would believe that the three Hebrew boys were protected in the fire and the furnace and that Jesus showed up in the middle of all that. They would believe that Daniel was protected in the lion's den, not by dodging the animals, but by a supernatural force that shut their mouths. They would believe in the ministry and the miracles of Jesus, and even that in the early times in the New Testament, that spirit continued. But somewhere down, maybe in the first century, that God said, you know what? We done did it. Mission accomplished, Holy Spirit, come on back home with that part of your ministry. They would say that. And I know I, I'm making it amusing and entertaining, but that would be the gist of it. Cool. I'm cool with what's going on. Uh, I'm done. I'm stopping the move in supernatural ways. And in some ways, some ways there's some truth to that. Because early on at the death of the apostles and the early church fathers, they're beginning to be in a separation because they got distracted and divided and the presence of miracles begin to wane. But it was not my belief that God was short 
on supply of his power. So that source was still there. Listen, if we always reduce our beliefs to the level of experiences, we're only going to have what we've used to experience. But instead, if you could join me in the stretch and we start expecting our experiences to rise to the level of our beliefs, because I'll be honest, I have been frustrated when I haven't seen God's force and power move. I have prayed for the sick and they haven't recovered. It's happened in my life. But I've also prayed for the sick and they have recovered. And so some of those things, I chalk it up to Acts where those are some of the things that God has to figure out. I don't say I have all the answers, but what I'm asking of you is if can you just join us in the stretch a little bit? That where I've been closed off by my past experiences, maybe I need to open up to experiencing something different. Something that maybe God has destined us for. To not be flat and defeated, to be filled and full. Now, this ceasing of the spirit gained a lot of popularity during the age of reason and enlightenment. It's as if Christians found their brain and lost their heart, all in a season of reason. In Western culture, we've experienced that. The rise of scientific worldview, a modern world view here in the West. And yet it's beginning to change because in the past 30 years, we have a postmodern worldview. And I don't know if you've noticed, but for the last 15 or so years, the most popular movies and TV shows are all delving into the supernatural. It's as if there's a whole generation rising up that's like, hey, science is great, but it doesn't explain everything. I feel like there's more going on. I, I already said Stranger Things, right? Like, that, that's a popular show. And, and the enemy's actually even using this in, in distractions to get people away from finding the true light and the true source and to find the true God. Like things like crystals and horoscopes, that's the last five years. Those things have taken off. Why? People know inside there's something more. We cannot explain. There, there's this, there, there's this, this, this transcendent thing that's going on that I don't fully understand, which is why it is a perfect time in all of history for us to know what we believe and to be built and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit so that more salvations can happen and they don't chase the darkness, but they, are, they reveal the light. So there's back to this openness where I think Christianity can speak both to the brain and the heart that I think you can be grounded in the word and have a logical understanding and even be rational and still be open for the dimensions of Christianity that are supernatural and radical. That we could still be in that tension. In his book, Surprised by the Power of the Spirit, Jack Deere wrote, if you were to lock a brand new baby Christian in a room with a Bible and tell him to study what the scriptures have to say about healing and miracles, he would never come out of the room a cessationist. Like if you just read the word, what would you believe? It reminds me of the story I heard about this young couple just married, first Thanksgiving together in their new home. And uh, they're celebrating Thanksgiving and the wife says, hey, I've got this amazing recipe um, in my family for turkey. I got the turkey. And she cooks up the turkey and as it comes out, he's like, yo, 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 where are the legs? And she's like, oh, we cut those off. We pull out the bones and we put it on the side. And he ate the bird. He's like, man, this was amazing. Great recipe. But his wife began to wonder, why do we do that? So she talked to her mother the next day. He's like, hey, how come we cut off the legs of the bird? And she says, I don't know. That's just, that's just the way I always had it growing up. The next day at brunch, the mom and the grandma are talking. It's like, hey, your granddaughter asked after Thanksgiving, why did we cut the legs off the bird? And she laughed. He says, girl, that's because I was poor. And that's the biggest pan I could afford. In other words, her experience dictated her walk, her demonstration. Can I just challenge you today in the stretch? Get a bigger pan. Get a pan that isn't based upon what you've heard, but based upon what you read. Get a pan. Get a stretch that isn't based upon your experiences but it's based upon what you see God doing in his word. And just be open to the stretch that there might be more for your life. There is a more reliable teacher than your past experience. It's called the Bible. And if you could just stay there, I am confident enough in the Holy Spirit 
and the word of God that I don't need to help you much further than that, that you will get all the way there by just reading the word. Let me quickly, though, diffuse some of the arguments against why the Holy Spirit has stopped working in the church. They would say this. They would say things like um, spiritual gifts were given to uh, the apostles to prove the validity and authenticity of their ministry. It's a really sound argument on the surface. But then you realize there were 11, and then they add Matthias to there, and he never does anything. And then there's the Apostle Paul, which he does a whole lot. But even in the Apostle Paul's story, there's other people that are ministering on the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, on his way to Jerusalem, there's a whole family, a father and all of his daughters, and they all prophesy over Paul, and they all say the same thing. Paul, you're going to jail. Not the most encouraging prophecy you ever heard, but the Holy Spirit was still at work. It was not just the apostles that performed signs and wonders. Mark chapter 16 is written to the disciples, all of the followers of Jesus. And Jesus says, believers will cast out demons. Believers will speak in new tongues. Believers will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Okay, let me just pause for a moment and take a poll. How many of people in the room would say that in your own family or a close loved one has experienced a miracle in their life? Can we raise our hands? Raise your hands, raise your hands, raise your hands, raise your hands. My hands up, look around. Okay, to everyone who doesn't have their hands raised up, uh, we're not better than you, uh, but we would just say the overwhelming number of us would say we have experienced personally or in close proximity the power of God still at work. Well, guys, we are 2,000 years removed from the apostles, and God is still moving with power. They would say this, that miracles were needed as a booster jet to get the church off the ground. And I said last week that sometimes God does do things from the start of something that's very special. That's why the tongues of fire were there. It was a, a unique mark from heaven that started a moment that I don't believe has exist, uh, ceased to exist. Now, like, it's like NASA, where they have the extra fuel and boosters, and when you bust out of the gravitational pull in the new atmosphere, you can get rid of it. They would say, that's what was needed. That, that argument has been going on for a long time. Like God needed something sizzling to sell the church. It's like you drive by that used car dealership, and they got that inflatable tube man that's just going around, that God needed some wacky, charismatic people raising their hands in the early days to know that there's some cars on sale, as if the gospel isn't good enough. <laughs> Romans 1 tells us it's sufficient, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. It is grace through faith, not grace through signs and wonders. Did miracles help the launch of the church? Oh yes, but they were not what the early church was built upon. They were an asset, not the foundation. Christ is the cornerstone and what he has done for us, and it is the same true today. It's why we don't go chasing miracles, but we still believe in the God of miracles, that he's still at work. And here's the big one. When the Bible was given, the scripture was canonized. That the, the, when the Bible was complete, the spiritual gifts were no longer needed. And they'll use a verse that maybe you're not aware of, but you know, definitely, if you've been to a wedding, you've heard the first part of this chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. Come on, the love is one. You all know that when you've been to a wedding. But they would say, the verse eight, the part you, you, after these first three words, you would cut out the rest. Love never ends. The rest says, as for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. And this is where there's arguments. What is the perfect? What does that mean? If you read later on in the writings of Paul, you would say, he would say, dimly now we see through a mirror is partially revealed, but one day when Jesus returns, we'll see completely. They would say that the perfect would be the steady, strong, valid word of God. That once we had the word, we didn't need the works. That prophecy and tongues and miracles became unnecessary because we had the perfect one. 
Now, the problem with this view is that they were never designed to replace the Bible. And in the early church, they were quoting the Old Testament and the life of Jesus, just as we do today. Therefore, they don't need to be removed just when we have a canonized scripture or when the Bible is complete because the perfect one is not the word. It is the word that became flesh. And when he comes back, we will no longer need prophecy. When he comes back, we will no longer need miracles because when Jesus comes back to judge the living and the dead and make all things new, we will not need miracles because we'll all be whole in Christ. That's what I believe that passage is speaking to. So why do we believe in the power and it continues? Why do we stay in the stretch? Well, the New Testament teaches us that spiritual gifts are irrevocable. We know the passage about your calling, but you know in that same verse in Romans 11, it says the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. So until Jesus returns, the gifts are still there. You just have to choose. Do you want to accept them or not? Just because they don't appear often in history doesn't mean they're still not a part of his story. Secondly, the New Testament teaches that spiritual gifts shouldn't be banned, stopped, or despised. 1 Corinthians 12, the chapter before 1 Corinthians 13. I know that's some deep math. Now eagerly desire spiritual gifts, says the Apostle Paul. Now we're to eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, but he's the apostle. Like That means the church in Corinth can have it? Well, the church in Corinth can have it. Can the church in Kansas City? Can your life, you live on Corinth Street, can that have the spiritual gifts? I would say yes. Chapter 14, eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Later on in this series, I'll tell you why. But it says, especially as it pertains to building the church, Paul writes in the rest. In other words, it ain't about your spiritual gift for your little spiritual platform. This is about building people, loving people, serving people. This is about being witnesses to people. This is about the expansion of salvation in Kansas City. It's about kingdom come through your life. That you need the Holy Spirit. A couple of verses later, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid to speak in tongues. Apostle Paul, not me. I think those that would say it has ceased both forbid it and be honest with you, I think they despise it. And I think those people are fully going to heaven. And I think they might be missing the fullness of what God has for them. And I don't want that to be you. Like you're always welcome here. We preach the word. We exalt the name of Christ. We're about salvation. It's the most important moment of the ministry of this church is what about ready to happen in about eight minutes. It's when people come alive to Jesus. The greatest work of the Holy Spirit. It is not the only work of the Holy Spirit. The New Testament teaches us that spiritual gifts continue. Jude chapter one. But you, dear friends, by building yourself up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourself in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you what? Eternal life. All the way to the end. So we stay in the stretch. Some of you, this might be a greater wrestle than others. All I ask you is just you wrestle with God and you wrestle with scripture. And as you do that, I think in that stretch, the pneuma spirit of God is going to fill your life if you want it. And my prayer, my heart as your pastor is that you would want it. Why do we want it? The Holy Spirit gives us what? The power to follow Jesus. How many of you, just to be honest, like, like when you read the Bible, let's just start with the teachings of Jesus. And what he asks of us seems kind of hard. Like that's difficult to get most days, like forgiving those who wrongfully accuse me. All right. That's hard. I, mean, I want to just say doing the Bible is hard as a life of Christian. Okay, there's eight of us that actually think it's hard. The rest of you, crushing it. Gosh. I would say it's impossible. You need grace. You need charis, the gift of grace, and you need power greater than your willpower. When you get out of alignment, you need the correction of the Holy Spirit. The power to change you. The power to change your thinking. That's repentance. It's not changing your behavior. It changes your thinking up here. That You no longer desire those things or the desire to follow God is greater than the desire to follow your flesh. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to do what Jesus did. He instructed his followers to lay hands on the sick 
to speak to mountains of opposition and they would be removed. That there's battles that aren't with people, they're with principalities, powers, and rulers of the air. And we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. So we don't just have to play the hand that we're dealt. We can get on our knees, we can lift up praise, and something can change in the atmosphere of our soul, our mind, and our world that we can win spiritual battles. The gifts are needed to build his kingdom. Guess what? The gifts are needed to build your marriage, to build your family. When you check in at work, you shouldn't check out of the Holy Spirit. You need him for your career. It can give you an understanding and give you a favor and give you a wisdom that's beyond your natural education. It doesn't mean you don't go to school. That means you stay in the stretch of the Holy Spirit with your education and watch and see now you have the mind of Christ. You start doing the God thing at the right time and watch and see it will bring promotion in every area of your life. The Holy Spirit what gives us a power to overcome temptation, trials that all of us face in the journey of life. Because there's an enemy who wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And yet that spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. So you don't have to just live under the pressure that deflates your balloon. But you can live in the presence of the God that restores your soul. And then your battle is not against people. You start winning where it matters the most. And ultimately, this is my favorite one, it gives you power to change your world, power to change the world. It gives you a boldness. What did Jesus say? You need the Holy Spirit. What's the first thing he says? To be a witness, to change history by telling his story, by telling the gospel, by sharing Jesus with boldness. So let me just tell you, at Kingdom City, we're a spirit-empowered church. Now, this is not the start of a series that from this moment on, you come back on Sundays and I'm shaking a sword up here. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about right now. The rest of you, you've been saved for God has protected you. It doesn't mean we're, we're, we're rolling banners around. It doesn't mean you just get up and run around in church. We're gonna do things in a way that builds the church, but we're gonna do it by the power of the Holy Spirit in unity and lockstep with the word of God. My prayer for you is that if it doesn't excite you, that you would, you would get excited, that you'd stretch a little, that you'd be open. I'm not saying you have to, God does work in mysterious ways. His ways aren't our ways. You don't have to get on my timeline. I just don't want you to get the end of your time here on the earth without digging deeper and without being living in the stretch. So if you want it, go for it. Go after it. Be open. Some of you, the first thing you need to do is repent. You need to change your thinking. You've had cynicism, critical thinking, been closed off, and you just need to take that to God. I trust Him fully in your conversations with Him to Him to lead and guide you to what He has for you. You don't have to do it like I do it. You need to do it like God's called you to do it. But if you never have the humility to get into the stretch, You'll never be the recipient of his power because he gives cares, cares, grace to the humble, who gives gifts to the humble. So repent, stay in the stretch. Ask your questions. We're gonna go after it together. Thirdly, study. You do not have to turn your brain off to light the lamp of the Holy Spirit. But what I'm asking of you, don't go into blogs and not even a lot of commentaries. In fact, if you're gonna be digital at all in this journey, you can Google our chat GPT, every scripture about the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. And then you print that out, write those down, and you turn off the, turn off the YouTube, turn off everything else, and you just go here. I trust, I'm very confident in God's ability by the Holy Spirit to illuminate his word and make it fit for your heart. The illumination of the word will bring transformation because you have to ask that question, is it for today? And if so, is it for me? And finally, daily, morning time, nighttime, whenever. And I know we can pray, like you can pray on your treadmill, you can pray, you know, on your Peloton. It's harder, but you can even pray when you look goofy on the elliptical. You can pray anywhere, pray in the bathroom, pray in your commute, it's great. I would love for you just to have the experience, not in some sort of religious obligation, but just a posture 
I know we could come boldly in the throne room. He's our father. Sit on his lap. But I've been teaching my kids just this week in their prayer time. Normally I would pray over them before bed and let's pray over them. So what we do now is we just get on our knees at the edge of the bed. And I'm not, I just want to get them in this posture of like, yes, he's my father, but he's also my king. And I just want to learn them to learn. And I let them pray first. And there's a whole lot of theological mistakes being made but they're still in my house for a while, so I'll work it out. And then I pray over them. And the last thing I pray over them is, God, would you fill them with your Holy Spirit? Because there's a day when dad won't be around. And I pray that they have an understanding of the word, that they know it in their heart. It's been written in their minds. It's been written down in their inside world. That they would know the right way to go. But I pray with that word also would come the whisper of the Holy Spirit to speak where they're called to go and for them to become. And you're not my kids, you're my church family. And I have that same prayer for you. That you would know that intimacy with God, not just in eternity when all things are made new, but right now when he's renewing and changing your world. And you would pray, Holy Spirit, fill me. Fill me again, my balloon's deflated. Fill me for the first time. I've never been stretched to receive the pneuma presence, the breath of God. Fill me. And how much is enough? How much of the Holy Spirit is enough? More. 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 More power. More wisdom. More direction. More evangelism. More souls. More boldness. And a world that's combatant more. The pressures of the atmosphere are more. You need more. You need more. And that you would never settle until your last day on earth, until the end of all days of Jesus' return, that you would go for more of God's presence in your life. And you will be satisfied that he would fill you fresh, he would fill you anew, and he would change your life. Will you stand to your feet? I can apologize for being emo. I just want you to understand the sincerity of my heart for this church. Never to replace the scripture, but always to come in unity with what God has said. It's what he is speaking in the heart of his people. And there is an empowerment of the Holy Spirit that's for you. And I would be doing you a massive injustice if I practice the presence of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit in my life and never gave you the opportunity to join the stretch. Father God, I thank you for every life here. These are your kids, not mine, but this is my church family. I love them deeply. You love them more. You have more for them. For those that need to repent and be open to your speaking, Lord, I thank you with hearts of humility. You're going to reward that with a greater grace. For those that have been closed off because of what they've seen or been disappointed from past experiences, God, I thank you. They would just take you at your word and they would desire your presence to fill them fresh and new. God, I thank you that spiritual gifts would be in operation in their life. They could never take credit for it. That's what Liz and I pray. We've been praying it for years. There'd be a move of God's spirit in our church and in our city that was so great we could never take credit for. It would truly be God's glory or nothing at all. And would it happen in the lives of every individual, every marriage, and every family? Would you fill up kingdom kids with your presence? Would you fill up every single mom? Would you fill up every dad? Would you fill up every student? Would you fill up every business person with more of your presence? We are hungry for you. We want you, Jesus, in the fullness of your Holy Spirit to every empty place would be made whole and every broken place would be restored. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and eyes closed, if you're here and you've never given your heart to Jesus. Listen, you might have prayed this prayer, but you didn't give him your heart. You, you, you can't say that 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 greatest miracle of the Holy Spirit's salvation has happened in your heart and in your life. Maybe you have and your mind dismissed it or your own decisions, the road you went on after, and you're just, you, need to, you need to come back home to Him. That you would receive the greatest gift of the Holy Spirit, salvation. We do that not by works. We don't do that by miracles. It is a miracle. It's the miracle of receiving God's grace. 
It's that gift you could not earn, did not deserve, but God freely gave on the cross. If you're here with no one looking around, it's just between you and God. Just for a moment, me as your pastor. If you're here and you've never given your heart to Jesus or you need to come back home to give him all of your heart, would you just raise your hand and say, Pastor Calvin, it's another day. I need a fresh start with Jesus. I repent today. I receive the gift of salvation. I see one hand up. Anyone else want to join me? Two of you. That's awesome. Three of you. That's so good. Beautiful. Maybe that's you online. Maybe I don't see your hand. It's dark. But God sees you. Put your hands down. Now let's lift up our heads. Let's pray a prayer. Best part of church. I'll just say this before we pray. I was with some pastors from our city this week. And um, we're praying and believing. We believe there's probably 2 million people in this city, in this area, that don't. They might know Jesus, but they're not planning church. And well over 1.5 million, I believe, are far from God. So this moment, this miracle moment of the Holy Spirit, we want it to manifest, not just in Kingdom City, all over our city. I'm telling you, it's going to take a church filled with the Spirit of the living God to see a revival. If you can change the heart, you can change the whole thing. Guys, we're in the heart of America. We want to change some of the injustice and the chaos and the craziness of this world. Let's start right here. This is our Jerusalem. This is why we're bold witnesses. And this is why we invite, we pray for, and we share the gospel with others around us. Can we pray? Say this all with me. Thank you, God, for loving me. I believe I am a sinner that needs a Savior. Jesus is my Savior. He lived a perfect life and died a death to take away my sins. They are paid in full. This gift, this salvation, I receive it. I am forgiven. I am set free. I'm not going back. I'm going after Jesus. Fill me with your spirit. From this day forward, my life is yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's celebrate. Praise God.